0: Alrighty, uh, welcome back to another episode of Justify Your Existence. Uh, I'm your host, Brendan Farrell, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Murphy. James, say hello.
1: Hello, folks. Hope you guys had a great uh, Christmas and New Year's. I'm ready to get back into the swing of things.
0: Yeah, our scheduling has been a little weird because we both took time off to go home for Christmas. And for me, kind of New Year's. For you, it was New Year's. Um. So, yeah, and then we got back to the office and, you know... It was just like, well, might as well just wait until next week for another episode.
1: Yeah, it's been working out that way. And uh, it's a good thing we did because we got a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, once again, um, well, I guess I should preface this by saying it's, uh, you know, Monday, January 8th. uh, Just, you know, like exactly a week since the uh, football game we're going to talk about. So we're super timely. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, James and I both write for the Daily Journal. Uh, you can see all of our coverage at djournal.com and follow us on social at djournal sports. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bferral727 and James on Twitter at jsmurphymedia. Um, so, yeah, as we mentioned, um, you know, some school won a bowl game like a week ago, right? So,
1: And from what I hear, they're pretty close to where we are.
0: Yeah, so, you know, uh, Ole Miss getting there, huge. Uh, win over Penn State in the Peach Bowl and honestly that final score doesn't really tell you
1: I mean that makes it seem a lot closer than it actually was. It did and they were just able to pull away quite a bit Um, I think Caden priest corn really really made himself known in that one you know I'm of the belief that if you have a great tight end it's almost like a cheat code because they're too big for a cornerback to cover and they're too fast and speedy for most linebackers or defense or front seven guys to cover so being able to get him going getting into next year to build chemistry with Jackson Dart is really great their ability to just be able to pull away with that game late I believe they outscored Penn State 18 to 8 to end the game and that 8 came from if I'm correct garbage time touchdown so really pretty dominant finish to that game and which is a really big key if you want to be able to because I know there's big expectations going into next year which we'll talk about later but being able to show that you can do that is a really good sign, and you know it just means so much for the program. This is their first 11 win season ever, and they did it against a team that really showed a lot of fighting the Big Ten and a team, and they really were able to show themselves. And it, it was a really it was a pro, it was a big program win, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that I feel like coming into this game, Ole Miss had won the kind of uh, vibe battle between you know, and a pretty good signing day for Ole Miss and, you know, all of the transfer portal activity, uh, which they highlighted several times during the game on the broadcast. Yep. Um, between that and, uh, you know, Ole Miss only had the one opt-out, I believe, compared to, you know, Penn State having, you know, their two top guys opt-out. So um, I think there was kind of that end of things, but also I think sort of the narrative of – I think this is just a win that Ole Miss needed a lot more than Penn State because, you know, for Penn State, it's like, oh, no, like we lost to Michigan and Ohio State again. Oh, boy, we're just going to another New Year's Six game, you know. Um, That's kind of the – at least the – approach I had to this game where I was like well I think
1: this game just means a lot more to Ole Miss and I think it kind of played out that way it did and you could tell how much it meant to them by the lack of opt-outs that were done I think the only, the, the biggest thing that stood out was that you know Dayton Wade even when he said this was his last game was still gonna play which now you factor in that this is that Atlanta is his hometown and he was able to go out on a high note but still because It it just seems like almost all the time when somebody declares for the NFL draft, they're gone. But the fact that Dayton Wade, who played a very big role in Ole offense stayed, I think that speaks a lot about how the program has grown off the field. Obviously, on the field speaks for itself. Their only two losses came against two of the probably top six teams in the country, the SEC finalists. And, you know, I think that just speaks a lot to what they've been able to build off the field and it's it's been really impressive to see. Yeah,
0: I'm not really entirely sure what uh, Dane Wade's draft stock is yet, but I just kind of feel like for those guys who are, like like the guys who are projected to be taken in the first round, totally understand when they opt out. But I think it's honestly, you know, really good for these guys who are maybe not at that point to, you know, kind of close out, um, you know, their time out of school with, um, you know, a big bowl game like like this. And you know, clearly, like you
1: mentioned, there are personal reasons why he. Probably wanted to play that game too. 100%. Yeah, again, if you're a first, second round guy, it's no question that the NFL becomes priority number one once the 12th game of the year is over. But, you know, if you're not and you're still looking to build your stock, then it's definitely a better idea to get into playing that game as, as much as you're able. Obviously, if, you, if you're not totally 100%, that's a different story. But if you're close enough, you do want to give it a try and see if you can add some film.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, the big thing for Ole Miss is uh, this is their first 11-win season. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think it's a little easier now, I guess, between the number of games that are played and, I don't know. I don't know what I'm even thinking about that point. But, um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there.
1: Yeah, it was uh, really impressive to be able to get that. And I don't know if we got to talk about it since, but they did officially sign Walker Nolan. they officially brought him in and fortified a defensive line that next year is going to look very scary if things click the right way
0: well yeah because you've got him you've got um once again I should throw out there that Walter Nolan is the top player in the transfer portal um but also you've got him you've got the other new acquisition princely uman miellen I'm I'm trying with that last name uh you know between him and then you got Jared Ivey returning like there's going to be
1: a lot of talent on that defensive front and you really need good defensive fronts in order to be able to compete for a national championship because you know as we, we all know the playoff is expanding to 12 teams next year and that's the kind of team that Ole Miss is trying to build I mean if, if you don't win the SEC that's one thing but I do think expectations heading into next year are you could argue the highest they've ever been in Oxford because because of the 12-team playoff, which provides the opportunity to compete for a championship so that even if you get in as a 9-12 through 12 seed, who I think would be on the road in the first round and kind of on the road the entire way, essentially, to be able to get in there and have a chance, that might be all you need next year.
0: Yeah, and I think it also helps to kind of punctuate that point with um, your first uh, New Year's Six Bowl win since 2015, I think. I'm pretty sure on that one. I think so, yeah. Um, Especially with the way the um, kind of uh, you know the last one went, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It it just feels like a you know, for some programs in the country, especially in the SEC, like New Year's Six bowl win isn't like that big of a deal. But for Ole Miss, I think it is, and it especially helps to kind of have that to validate your big off season and all the, uh, I guess. December hype, I guess. Like it was a very big month of December for Lane Kiffin.
1: Yeah, it was a big month of December between obviously the recruits and the bowl. When, again, the big thing is, you know, if you're a program on the rise. And you want to keep that rise going into the next season. The big thing is momentum, and that's what a bowl win does for you. you. People can talk a lot about who doesn't play, who transfers out, whether or not coaches are the same. Coaches are there, but to be able to get a win on that stage against an opponent with that brand, with that brand name in Penn State, that that's huge. Regardless of some of the extenuating factors that were there.
0: Yeah, and then um, the other thing I want to add: we talked about Jared Ivey returning but uh to me the big one especially given uh the draft class this year is
1: you've got your quarterback returning. That that is definitely huge because I think Jackson I think we talked I talked about the growth that olmis had this season as a team. I'm not sure if you'll be able to find a player who's grown quite as much as Jackson Dart because early in the year he was making some throws that were just very questionable. I think the the big interception to Alabama in the third quarter comes to mind. But since then he's been very, very good. And he hasn't made uh, nearly as many mistakes. He's been far, he's been far more level headed. And, you know, he's also been able to become that leader that teams like Ole Miss that are on the rise really need. And yeah, to have him back and the opportunity and to have him have the opportunity to continue to grow for Ole Miss, I think that's massive going into next year.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Really helps when uh, said quarterback completes, uh, you know, 25 of his 40 passes for three touchdowns and 379 yards. Um, and then ESPN's QBR metric, not quarterback rating or passer rating. Uh, QBR, you know, goes from zero to 100. Um, he had a 92.9 for that game. Um, I believe that is the uh, fifth game that he's had where it was 90 or higher this year. Uh, and then there was an 87.9 in there too. So like six above 85, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, it's pretty, pretty darn good.
1: Oh, yeah, especially against uh, NFL caliber defense in Penn State.
0: Yeah. So, well, we can, th- we can throw in the, uh, well, were they really at full strength or the how much did they really want it arguments. But, yes, you were also very right about that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, also we can't forget about uh, he caught a pass.
1: Yes, he did. Yep, uh, Wayne Kiffin, we, you know, people had an idea coming in that he was going to come in guns and blaze and that means some trick plays that probably hadn't seen up to that point in the season, and uh, obviously very impressive versatility from Dart and uh, just uh, kind, of the, kind of cool to see Wayne Kiffin be able to – keep that guns-a-blazing approach going in the Peach Bowl.
0: Look, you got to watch out for uh, Jackson Dart in the open field, man.
1: Oh, yeah, covering him and Priestcorn and Harris and Watkins. is like, oh, boy.
0: So, yeah, and then uh, also, last thing, and maybe the most important, looked like Juice Kevin had a good time. So
1: It did, yes. Very good time, very good boy, very good season. I'll say it again, very good boy. Can't be said enough.
0: The uh, Maybe the best mascot in the SEC. You
1: know, he's maybe not actually a mascot. I don't know. I I think you could make that argument 100%. 100%. But, yeah, I don't know. Is there uh, anything else you wanted to add? In terms of this game, I think those were all the big things. Just keep that big win, keep the momentum going into next year where there is still a lot of time to figure things out, but you are feeling pretty good if you're Ole Miss. Uh,
0: And we mentioned the transfer portal. They're currently third uh, in – you know, the transfer portal score or whatever on on three, but, like, their average rating is, like, well higher than both Colorado and Louisville. Louisville and Colorado just have, uh, like, they both have 20 uh, people coming in versus Ole Miss' is 12.
1: So they're, they're, like, them having more recruits, more transfers coming in than Ole Miss has them over is kind of why they're over Ole Miss in those rankings, is what you are saying.
0: Yeah, it's it's like when people compare recruiting classes, you know, where, you know, where they have twenty five recruits instead of you know versus like eighteen or something. Okay, all right. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, you can say it over and over again, but that was I think pretty much exactly what Ole Miss needed, and I think they did it in exactly the way Ole Miss is built to.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and then we'll we'll hit on some um, just like a, a few minutes of uh, some SEC basketball for a little bit because this past weekend was the opening weekend for conference play. Yep, in uh, w- what has become in recent years uh, one of the top conferences in college basketball. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, what all you watch any this weekend?
1: Uh, I watched. I heard about it a little bit. I know that Mississippi State started off pretty good against South Carolina, but a couple of guys got into foul trouble, and they had a chance to win it late, but just couldn't quite finish. And they seem to have a lot of trouble on the boards on both sides. Um, something Chris Jans really wants to stress going forward. But definitely reason to be impressed uh, against a South Carolina team that, you know, we mentioned the SEC is very deep. I think when we were growing up, it was fair to say that the SEC was Florida, Kentucky, and for the most part, everybody else. But, you know, that's mostly flipped on its head. Florida, Kentucky are still very good, but now you've got teams like Tennessee and Mississippi State and Ole Miss are both capable of being those teams. But, you know, South Carolina is another team that really challenges, and Mississippi State, even in a loss, showed some promise.
0: Yeah, no, it kind of just seems like everybody... Not named Vanderbilt can probably beat anybody else in the conference. You know, any any given Saturday or Tuesday or whatever. Something along those lines.
1: Any given scheduled night. Yeah, but scheduled that, that,
0: that doesn't really come off the tongue very well, does it?
1: Yeah, I guess not. I, I guess that could do some tinkering.
0: But, yeah, um, and then really a uh, tough loss for Ole Miss getting handed there first loss in that first loss of the season Um, and it was not close
1: it was not but you're on the road against a top five team that has been one of the better sec teams for the past couple of years the world certainly not ending for Ole miss but there is a little bit of reason to be like okay let's get our feet under us and realize what we have to learn and they have the opportunity to do that this week with two home games
0: yeah, but, I mean, like you come into SEC play with all kinds of hype, right? Um, you know, like one of the last undefeated teams in the nation. They're finally ranked again for the first time, what feels like forever. Um, and they come out and lay an egg.
1: Yeah, it, it is tough to when you're coming out and not doing your best. But, um, look, again, there's time to get it done. If there's anybody who is able to adjust under these circumstances, it's Chris Beard. And it definitely should serve as a measuring stick just to kind of be like, okay, you look at Tennessee and you're like, here's what it takes to be one of the top teams in the SEC. We might not be quite there yet, but here's what we can do to get it. I think that game could serve as a bit of a measuring stick if they're able to utilize it properly.
0: Uh, I think the big problem that uh, Ole Miss is going to run into this week is – well, they're playing my alma mater on uh, or this week at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, um, you know, Florida's coming in giving Kentucky a game and really could have won that game. Um, but the big issue that I think um, Ole Miss is going to run into is uh, they got destroyed on the boards by Tennessee. Like it was ugly. Um, you know, it was uh, <laughs> it was really bad. Um, and you cannot get away with that against Florida either. Um, yeah, the rebounds against Tennessee were uh, forty-seven to twenty-four, and they got out-rebounded on the out on the offensive glass uh, nineteen to four.
1: Mm, off on the offensive glass nineteen to four.
0: Yeah, wow. yeah, nineteen offensive rebounds to four.
1: Yeah, if they're getting that many second chance points. Obviously, you can't. The biggest thing with that is the more offensive rebounds they get, the more the opportunities they have to wear down your defense. Obviously, be able to score points off of that. Definitely got to be able to keep that more even if you're going to be able to put up a, be able to compete and I think fans help beat teams like Tennessee.
0: Well, and the reason why that's an issue is um, I was looking at Ken Palm stats and Florida is sixth in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So uh, getting destroyed on the glass might be a problem.
1: It would, and it will serve as a big test to see how much they've improved since the Tennessee game in rebounding or possibly how far they still need to go in that department.
0: Yeah, um, and then also kind of mentioned earlier, Mississippi State dropped uh, its SEC opener as well.
1: They do, and – I do think that a lot of Mississippi State, as they're trying to work things in, uh, Tolu Smith, their top in, their top post player, came back from injury not not too long before, around the turn of the new year. And they're trying to work him back in. But the thing is, Jimmy Bell Jr. has done very well in his play. So they're trying to make sure they get both of them minutes on the interior and kind of figure out what works. I think that for the past couple of games, Tolu Smith has been on a bit of a uh, – uh, to use a baseball analogy, pitch count. But I think that as time goes on, he's going to get a little bit less of that, which might make things tougher, Jimmy Bell Jr. Because I believe he has been top five in the SEC in rebounding since he's gotten the reps. So you don't want to bench him entirely. And I'm of the belief that a lot of if you want to be one of the best teams, you need to you need to go too deep on in the post, which they can do. It's just a matter of getting the both of them the appropriate amount of time and um, being able to. Have them be able to factor into that toughness that Chris Jens likes to build his program on.
0: Yeah, and I realize that um, this Mississippi State team is not exactly built to be a perimeter team, but I would imagine that uh, they're not going to win too many conference games uh, in this conference, shooting three for 13 from outside.
1: No. And again, again, as I said, a lot of their strength is in the post and it is with toughness. But you have to be able to do that. And a lot of the thing is you have to be able to keep your guys on the floor. I think they had about three of their best players out with foul – who missed a lot of time with foul trouble. They got – I think a couple of them got two or three late in the first half and uh, for parts of the second half. So just really keeping them on the floor is going to be big for them going forward.
0: Yeah. and um, I don't know. Just, I don't know how, are you, how are you feeling about Mississippi College Basketball?
1: Obviously, I I think that you know much. There's a lot of reason to be very hopeful about both of them, despite the losses this weekend. There's both a lot of promise. There's there's a lot of hope, but I do think we're going to learn a lot about both of them this month, and it's going to be really interesting to see how both of them respond to these past weekends.
0: Yeah, I was looking at uh, bracket matrix earlier, um, which, for those not in the know, basically takes a bunch of finds a bunch of you know bracketology stuff online crunches them all into one area and says, you know, like... It says a bunch of different things. But, um, yeah, and it's looking... Still looking fine for the tournament, I guess, Um, you know, for for both. um, You know, they have Mississippi State as, like, a 10 seed uh, and, uh, let's see, uh, Ole Miss as an 8 seed, but I'm sure things will change. Like, I think Joe Lunardi... We're doing this on Monday. I think Joe Lunardi puts out his brackets on Tuesdays, so, um, you know, and I, I would also imagine that um, Ole Miss is probably going to drop out of the
1: top 25. Yeah, with that loss to Tennessee, they probably will, but probably still in, the like, the top 35 for a lot of people and a lot of metric systems.
0: You know, I, I imagine they'll still, uh, they'll still get some votes, but um, I'm not going to, like, run a victory lap about, like, oh, maybe the computers were, were right about Ole Miss. Um, especially cause a lot of that is built off, you know, the, uh, rebels not necessarily being at full strength. So I feel like we're still trying to figure out, okay, like where exactly do they fit in?
1: Yeah. And I, I say this not just for Ole Miss Mississippi state, but when it comes to just college basketball in general, this is the time of year where you learn a lot about the sport and where a lot of teams stand. Uh, obviously this will be very much the case with a pretty deep SEC that I think a lot of people would argue is getting deeper. And it's going to be really interesting to see how both the Re- Rebels and Bulldogs respond.
0: The uh, last stat I'll throw out there uh, from Ken Palm is um, Florida is 316th in the country in uh, their luck category, basically meaning you know they lose a bunch of close games. Um, like They've lost four games this year, and all of them were pretty much decided in the last few minutes. Uh, meanwhile uh, Ole Miss is number one <laughs> so uh, unstoppable object versus very movable force I guess if very movable force uh, I guess if it's if it's still close late but,
1: so you're saying they just need to keep it close
0: yeah exactly exactly um, but yeah um, I don't know just in general anything else you would like
1: to add well um, I think Quinshawn Judkins leaving Took me by surprise, definitely. And there's obviously a lot of factors to ask ourselves about. I know the biggest news, rumors circulating is that, you know, he wasn't that great of a teammate and that he was causing a lot of friction, which apparently, which reportedly showed itself a lot during the Peach Bowl. So if that was the case and they felt it best to move on from Judkins as a result of that, then they probably felt like they made the best decision, but that does still leave a very big hole on the team's roster because he, what he was one of the better running backs in the country and losing him going into next year certainly doesn't derail everything, but there is a big hole that they're going to need to fill somehow.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it was a very interesting day in the office on that one. Cause we, I think we were all thinking, you know, sure. He'll he will be back. Right. And then it's like, Oh, he's hitting the transfer portal.
1: Oh yeah, I, I think. There, yeah, because there were reports from. Well, at first the, the the report first came out, and somebody from On Three said he hasn't entered his name yet, and then he entered his name, and as of recently, I believe he is either currently on or just finished a visit at Ohio State. So,
0: yeah, um, especially because I believe Jam Griffin hit the hit the portal at the same
1: time. He did. Yeah. So definitely definitely a big hit to the running back room death heading into next season
0: but I will say that uh, Ulysses Bentley definitely flashed at times especially when I thought Judkins was struggling early on
1: 100% Bentley definitely got that ability to be a very very good running back
0: I don't know if it's just one of those things where uh, like the sort of Ezekiel Elliott uh, Tony Pollard thing where it was like well why do they keep giving you know carries to Zeke when they can just keep feeding Pollard when he's the better running back and then you know, things kind of change when you get the bulk of the carries all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, definitely the case. Um, again, a, a lot of factors play into it. Is there a chance that he comes back and chooses and chooses to stay and put all that aside? Yes, but I do think if you're Ole Miss, it's there is a big hole and um, unfortunately not quite as much time to fill it.
0: Yeah, and then I think you also had some tweets from Lane Kiffin about um, – you know, like the big fish that he had, had caught, like at the same time or whatever. Conveniently timed what uh post.
1: Interesting timing.
0: He's out here retweeting uh Quinshawn Judkins posting on Instagram, uh visiting uh Columbus.
1: He's retweeting that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> you know, like he, the man's a menace.
1: Yes, yes, he certainly is.
0: But uh yeah, I don't know. Um anything else you want to add?
1: I mean, that, that was the big thing. Uh, we wrapped up a lot of some of the biggest things that happened since we last spoke.
0: But, uh, yeah, uh, if you don't have anything else, I'm going to close it out, though. Sounds good. Um, but, yeah, uh, once again, um, you can find our stories and our you know uh, coverage from uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State at djournal.com. Um, you can find our uh, lineup of newsletters at djournal.com forward slash newsletters. And if you want to join the conversation with other fans, uh, feel free to check out our Mississippi State Sports Discussion and Ole Miss Sports Discussion groups on Facebook. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at BeFarrel727. You can follow James at JSMurphyMedia and um, the Daily Journal, IT Journal of Sports. Yep. So um, thanks again, James, for joining me as always. And, thanks for uh, having me, Brendan. Yeah, no problem. Um, and I hope
1: everybody has a good week, and we'll see you next week.